Hello and welcome to the Pageant Buzz podcast. You are here with your hosts, Kristen and Rebecca. This is a podcast where we talk about glam, glitz, and what life is really like with a crown. This is a podcast for those girls who have inhaled more hairspray than they have oxygen. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Pageant Buzz podcast. You are here with your hosts, Rebecca and Kristen, and we're going to be talking all things mock interviews today. We have been mock interview crazy the last couple of weeks. I know it's been fun though. I like doing mock interviews. Do you? Um, I like listening to them because most of the time when we're doing the mocks, they're clients who I've worked with for a really long time. So I've I can hear the progress that they've made when I hear them mock interviewing with somebody new versus me asking them the same questions that I've asked them probably a hundred times. Even if I phrase them differently or ask them in a different way, I can usually sort of predict how they're going to answer. So I like hearing a fresh person's questions and how they answered a new person. I feel like it's a good perspective for me as a coach to give them good feedback. Yeah, I guess I didn't think about that too. If you've watched them progress over a certain amount of time, and then you can kind of sit back and watch how they are with other people. Well, and they probably get really comfortable with you. Yes. There's a point that I reach with some clients that, especially if I've been working with them for years, that I can't mock interview them effectively because they predict like they give me predictable answers. They know what they, what I want them to say versus how they are going to truly react. And I just tell them like, I'm going to only let you mock with other people and, and listen in for feedback because at this point, your mock interviews with me are not authentically actual practice. Like we can run questions, but they're not going to be true mock interviews. They right. don't give you that same nerves. They don't give you that same anxious sort of feeling that nervous excitement that you get when you have a real interview that you need to have to practice like it's an actual interview. Yes. No, I totally agree. And I think too, because obviously I've mocked with you um, when I was competing and it's one of those things where I get used to even the way you ask questions. I get uh-huh. used to your facial expressions. Like I'm like, okay, this is, this is like a good answer. I'm going to keep going that route or, oh, you know what? She's not feeling, I'm going to like take it down the other side here. Yes, exactly. So I love being able to have other judges, quote unquote, come in and be able to watch the clients and see how they act and be able to really listen to their voice, watch their facial expressions, see how they truly act with a stranger. And I try to mix up who I bring in and not have them mock with the same people multiple times. That way it's truly like a fresh set of eyes on them each time. And they really get a good experience every time they come in and mock. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's one of those things is if you're paying to do mock interviews, you want to make sure you're getting your money's worth. So you don't want somebody coming in like that you've interviewed with a thousand times and you know, the questions they're going to ask and as much as it pains me to say, like, you really don't want them to be that nice. Like you want to feel confident, but if they're just going to come in and throw softball questions at you, that's not worth it at all. Right. So one thing I want to say, as far as like getting the most out of your mock interview is timing. 
what do you think as a contestant, and then I'll kind of give you my opinion too, when do you think is the best time to start doing mock interviews? I think if like for me personally, if I've reached a point of, I feel really confident, comfortable with you, then it's like, okay, I'm ready. It's almost like a next step. Like I'm ready to take the next step and practice on people who have not talked to me as much as I've talked to you as my coach. I think that's usually when I would feel ready to do that. I think the absolute, like when it's time you need to do at least one round of mock interviews minimally is two weeks before. I think doing one two weeks before your competition is the ideal time to practice with a group of strangers, whether it's friends that you have from work or it's people in your community that you can reach out to or it's pageant people and your coach or whoever. I think two weeks beforehand gives you enough time to take that feedback for us at Be Fearless. We record those mock interviews and send them to the client so they can watch the mock interview. And that gives you enough time, that two weeks, to process the feedback and apply it. If you're waiting until um, like the day or the day and a half before your pageant, which is also great, but if it's the first time you've ever done a mock and you're just now hearing some of that feedback for the first time, it can be overwhelming and you can feel like, oh, now I have to change 10,000 things and that can be a little hard. So I love to start your rounds of mocks at least two two weeks before your competition day. I think that's a really healthy amount minimally two weeks, if not a month. Yeah. And I know for me, I will mock to death. Like I would, like, I'll just want to like mock, 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 mock. And I know sometimes coaches have to kind of pull you back a little bit and be like, no, we can't have this over rehearsed. There's only so many questions. You'll never hear all the questions in the world that could possibly be asked. There's just no way. And there becomes a point that you do start to sound too practiced and you lose a little bit of the natural conversational tone if you do too many mock interviews. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it will get to a point where it's like you can, we've got, you know, a couple days or we're the day before and I'm like, let's do like 10 more rounds of mock interviews. And you're kind of like, listen, anything that you're truly going to improve at this point that would make that big of a difference isn't going to change this right. quickly. So I I definitely get that, but I'm guilty for always wanting to do them back to back to back to back. Yes. I remember telling you no more. Don't practice anymore. I know that was really frustrating because I really wanted to do more, but, and it's nice too, when you bring in somebody new, because kind of like you said, I mean, like you do a lot of mocks, but holy cow, sometimes I hear the questions that other people will ask. And I feel like I think of pretty good questions sometimes. And I'm like, man, I never thought to even ask it like that Mm -hmm. because everyone's got their go-to questions. Like I have a couple go-to questions that I most likely will ask. Yeah. And it's interesting too, because you'll do rounds of mocks all day long And then you actually get to your pageant interview and typically your actual interview is so much easier than any round of mocks you've ever done. Well, and I think that's another way that you can really get your money's worth. Don't, you don't want them to be that easy on you. You really don't. You want the hard questions that are going to stump you to come out then because yeah, you're right. Typically 
a judge in these situations, you're going to have some tough judges. So maybe you have one that day, but everyone else is going to just be really nice because they totally get that this is, you know, kind of nerve wracking experience. Yeah. And you've always got the one judge who is going to kind of give you the softball questions. That typically is the judge that throws you off the most because you've practiced for all these really hard questions and these really intense thought provoking. And then you get the, what's your favorite color or where do you love to go on your day off? And you're like, I never think about that. I've been practicing for these political questions or this like really hard, you know, morality question or whatever. And I didn't even think about what I like to do on my day off. I don't know. So it's, it's good to practice all types of questions. Oh my gosh. I ask that a lot. What's your favorite color? Just because I do want to see how they're going to react for that. Another one I ask a lot of is um, legacy sisterhood type questions. Like who's your favorite Mrs. America? Who's your favorite Mrs. Ohio? Or, you know, just to see what they know about the system, because that's something that I took so much from my pageant experience is the sisterhood. So I want to see like, is this something you're even interested in? Or are you just kind of here for for just your own, whatever, like what your own reasoning, or is this system actually important to you? So I do like to ask that one too. Yeah. I don't think there's any really bad questions to ask in a mock interview because it really is a practice and it's just about practicing thinking on your feet, answering questions quickly and without literally blanking out or saying, I don't know. That's all it is. It's just a practice. And I think sometimes too, it's easy for people to get a little defensive. Like if you're like, you know what? I don't know if that was the best way to phrase that. And then sometimes it can make you want to be like, well, you know, I only said it like that because of X, Y, and Z. So don't waste that precious time during your mock interview time to be defensive about anything because you won't be able to do that with the judges. And you want to just focus on like, okay, I feel like I said that really well but it didn't come across the way maybe that I was hoping. So take that feedback and then do your best to apply it. Even if you don't a hundred percent agree with it. Yeah. Just be gracious, take the feedback, thank the people for their time and take what you want and leave the rest. Just like in the real pageant, these are just regular people with the regular people opinions and you can take what you want and leave the rest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you're not going to please everybody. You're not going to have the perfect answer for everybody, but it's nice to at least have a wider perspective than just your coach who you're used to mocking with. Mm-hmm. Is there one thing that someone told you in a mock interview or a piece of advice you got in a mock interview that you still remember? Nope. No. <laughs> so well, like, you know, I just it's remember- just kind of, it's sort of like, you either take it or you don't, and it can really change your perspective or not. There have been mocks I've done that really have stuck with me of they were really impacted by the way I told a certain story or the way that I said it, that ha- that did stick with me that I've taken further so that if I, if that story ever comes up again, or if I'm able to tell that again, It's not that I memorized how I said it, but I try to remember, okay, they really were impacted by the way I told it. So I'm going to try to tell it like that again and use that detail that I used there because that seemed to really 
connect with that person. And so hopefully it would connect with other people too. Yeah, I think the um, biggest thing that I learned doing as many mocks as I have has really just been taking questions that don't see, like really running the interview, taking questions that aren't for my paperwork, that I don't really care to answer, to be honest, but I somehow have to close for the job of this title during my time with this judge. Like at some point I have to ask for the job. And so that's Mm -hmm really probably the biggest, okay, there would be my biggest piece of advice, I guess, that I would have taken is somehow during that time, and there are going to be judges that don't ask me the things that I want to be asked, but I still have to, I can't just give a one word answer to everything. I have to still be able to get what I want to say out because I have heard from people before, well, you didn't even ask me anything in my paperwork. Like this has nothing to do with the title of being, you know, like Mrs. We'll say Mrs. Ohio, for instance, um, you know, this has nothing to do with it. And I'm like, you're right. And that happens like more than you think where the judges, you might be 30th person they talk to. And I mean, they can only look over so many people's paperwork and they may not have even looked over it, to be honest. And they're just like regurgitating questions. And so you have to be able to still get your memorable stories out in, even if the question is completely unrelated to your story. (laughs) Yes. You, it's all about just figuring out how to take the question and redirect it to what you want to say. But mocks are a really good time to practice that skill too. Like you can say to your, you know, to your coaches, if this is something you want to work on, like, Hey, can you tell the mock judges during one round? I just want them to ask me the most oddball questions. Mm -hmm. And I want to see if I can turn the interview around and lead it to where I want to go. That's a really good way to practice that. I think. Yeah, I think that's great. I also like, um, doing rounds where there is not one question from paperwork. Yes. I think that's really important to do because as we both know, we've both done pageants, I think where we didn't get questions from our paperwork or from at least one judge. Like you said, maybe they did look at it and they chose not to look at our paperwork. We were both in the O's in the alphabet. So by the time they get to us, they're kind of burned out at nationals of the interview maybe. So it's really fun to practice. What does that feel like if they don't ask you questions from paperwork? If they ask you really strange questions like, this has been a long week. What's been the best part of it? And you have to be able to just take that question and make it have one of your stories in it or make it have one of your non-negotiables or something that is like really key to what you want to talk about within that interview based on questions that have nothing to do with your paperwork. Yeah. And I always look at it almost as like a checkbox where if I, at the beginning of my interview gave a great answer of why I would be this title holder, the best person for this title holder, then kind of the rest of the interview, hopefully something else comes up, but you, at that point you can relax a little bit and have a little fun with it. So it's like, well, what was the craziest part of this week? And it's like, you know what, it was this, this, and this, and it was, and it can make everybody laugh and you can kind of relax. And so you don't have to take every single question and close for the job, but at least one time. 
Oh yeah. It can be really pageant patty if every single question you're saying, and that's why it would be a great blah, blah, blah. And that's why as well, Mrs. Blah, 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 I would do this. Or as Miss blah, 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 I would like, it becomes very pageant patty if you're doing it every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, getting just like different types of people, like asking, maybe like saying to your coach, if you know, they're going to do mocks, like, Hey, can you like have someone be maybe like a difficult judge or, and you, you kind of already do that too. Like you make sure you set people up to get the best mock possible, but like, sometimes you just get some weird questions that you're never going to be able to prepare for. And that's hard. Like when I was in the Mrs. Ohio interview, they asked me if you could be on any magazine cover, what would it be and why? And I will never forget that question because I thought I had looked up every single possible pageant question that could have ever come up ever. Like nothing was going to surprise me. I was ready for absolutely anything. And I was not ready for that question (laughs) at all. And I just had to lean back on my platform, which is another piece of advice that you give to people. Like if you get a rando question, lean back on your platform. And I like fashion, but I also love Dolly Parton. And so I said, you know what? I'd be on the cover of Vogue, but I would be all decked out in rhinestones and super, super fun, colorful clothing. I'd make Dolly Parton proud. The editors of Vogue would probably hate me, but I would make Miss Parton so proud. It was something like that. Yeah. I think it's just, it, it, like I've told so many clients, they're like, what else could they ask me? What, is there anything else? And I'm like, I can never tell you every question in the, in the world because people can ask you anything. I've been asked if you could invent something, what would you invent and why? Like really weird things that I don't think just randomly people just practice thinking of, but I try to ask every off the wall question I can think of during practicing and during mock interviews, but I can't think of every single random question in the world. There are so many free resources. Pageant Planet has like 200 and something questions that are free. There are tons of guides and lists and things that you can download, but no one can prepare you for every single person's questions they can think of. Just know your paperwork, know your why, know why you're there, and just don't be afraid to just be yourself when you're in there. And Think about taking that breath, letting your thoughts kind of process for a second, and then just reacting, not thinking. Because when you start thinking, that's whenever you really freeze up and you freak out. Yeah, that's valid. Yeah. And we've stumped, I I mean, I've not me, but you've stumped people before in mocks. And I think another thing to just really put yourself in the position of this is a real interview. And so instead of just looking at your coach and be like, oh my gosh, I don't know what's just throw something out there because that's kind of the time to practice thinking on your feet and saying, you know what, this just popped into my head. I don't even know where that came from. Like, I don't even like macaroni and cheese. And I just told you that I ate 12 boxes a week. Like, I don't know where it came from, but that's the time to kind of get that out in practice. So really try to treat it like it's an actual interview. And in an actual interview, you would say something you wouldn't just stop. Oh, I've had, I have had one particular client that would literally be like, can we start over every time that we would get to a point where she didn't like her answer? She didn't enjoy the way she answered her question. We would be in the middle of mock interview, like timed mock interview practice. And she would be like, oh, I don't like that. Can we start over? And I'm like, no, this is an actual 
you can't start over in the real thing. You don't get to just say, can we do get a do over? Like, no, you have to practice the way that you're going to perform. You have to do it the way that we're going to do it in real life. That is how we practice. You wouldn't get to do a do over in a scrimmage or something like that. That you have to think of it as your scrimmage. Yeah. And okay. First and foremost, I've definitely asked you to start over before. And I definitely remember you being like, nope. And I'm like, Rebecca. And you're like, oh, I'm sorry. Are you addressing me as judge Rebecca? Like, because we're still going. (laughs) I don't remember that. That's funny. I was like, oh my (laughs) gosh, Rebecca. You're like, no, we may not start over. (laughs) You are wasting your time right now. (laughs) You have three and a half minutes and you are wasting valuable time asking me to start over. Yeah, that was not ideal, but, and also, you know what? It is okay. Also, you're a real person. Judges are real people. It is okay to be like, you know what? I have never thought about that. I want it. Like, let me give that some thought and I will absolutely get back to you. Come see me after the show. I'll have a good answer for this. Like that's also okay to be like, you know what? I don't think I've had enough coffee, especially if it's in the morning or whatever, and you lose your word that you're trying to think of, you know, it's like a word that you use all the time and you just can't think of it. It is okay to say something like, you know, I just cannot think of the word that I'm trying to think of. I don't know if I've had enough coffee or what, but I do know what I'm talking about. I promise, you know, and just be a human and make a little joke of it or whatever and move on. That's Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, totally. Because really what's going to happen is they're going to, especially if it's a larger pageant, they're not going to remember that most likely that you couldn't think of a great answer, but they're going to remember like, oh my gosh, like she's so cute. Like that. Yeah. I totally get that. I've done that so many times and you make them feel comfortable. Yes. And relatable because they probably have had the same thing happen to them two interviews before you. Oh my gosh. And nothing is worse then when you're interviewing somebody and they're nervous because then suddenly you get nervous as a judge. Cause you're just like, Oh my gosh, I'm so like, you almost feel bad. Like, I am so sorry. I'm not trying to make this hard at all. Like I promise. <laughs> I know I have had like judging a big national pageant with all the different ages, all the ages, little, little, littles, all the way till misses. I've had situations where like some of the younger girls were so nervous, terrified to come in, shaking, literally shaking. You could see their little like pants legs shaking, you know, and their little, in their jumpsuits, their little feet shaking. And I just wanted to just be like, it's okay. We are so nice. We are so, we are not trying to be hateful. We are, we are your friends. We want to, we want you to do well, but you can't really say that other than to smile and to be as friendly as you can be, but not all judges are like that. I'm typically a pretty smiley judge. Not all judges are very facially expressive because they just aren't that they don't want to give off an impression that they like one contestant more than another. And they don't know if they can keep that stamina of smiling to every contestant the entire time. I'm normally like extremely smiley and welcoming and warm to try to make people more comfortable, but I've had judges where I felt like they hated me. And then Mm -hmm. when I've gotten my scores back or feedback, they gave me like perfect scores in the interview or wrote like how amazing I was. And I was like, I truly thought this judge hated me, but because they were like mean mugging me the entire time. So also don't Don't let yourself get more nervous if you're not getting that feedback from the judge that's overly like 
nodding along and very engaged because you don't know what they're thinking. You have to just continue to be relaxed, continue to be as calm as you can be and normal as you can be and try to win them over and imagine that you are, whether you are or not getting that feedback. Yeah, because I know I, well, Okay. So when I judged Nam Ohio, I went over the top smiling because all I could think about were like, because I'm a mother and I'm a mother of girls and I saw my daughters and all these girls. So I'm like, I am going to make sure that they feel so comfortable and so confident. So I had the biggest smile on my face. Oh my gosh. By the end of that night, I had the absolute worst headache. And by the time they were on stage, I don't think I smiled one time yeah. and it's not Their because I was like happy. Aching to see them like performing on stage, but I'm like, Oh my gosh, my head hurts so bad. Like I cannot smile anymore. Yeah. It's, it is a workout because you're literally like over the top, like so happy. So, so friendly. Oh yes. That's awesome. I love that. And you're like, I just need a break. I don't want to be on anymore because you're kind of performing too for them. So remember the judges are a lot of times on too. And they're real people. So they're going to laugh just like you are when you mess up or you have a little thing. As long as you laugh it off and play it off, they're going to feel more comfortable with you. Yeah. And I think too, so back to mock interviews, if just like maybe even ask that of your coach, like, hey, can you play a different character that so I can at mm -hmm. least practice if you are just practicing with your coach or just reminding your coach, like, hey, can you, if you, unless of course, like, you know that somebody isn't going to change things up a little bit. Like as a coach, you just remind your person, Hey, like let's play different characters here for them. And that's always going to be a really good practice for you during mocks, but I can't say it enough. Like nothing's going to truly prepare you for the real thing. It's really not like you, you can do your best to prepare for it. But until I had a actual real pageant interview, I mean, I could have only prepared so much. Do you remember for nationals whenever I would play all the different characters? Yeah, I do. <laughs> Which is, it is so helpful because not all judges, like you said, are going to smile at you and not all judges are going to look at your paperwork. I, one of my judges told me, he's like, I've never judged a pageant before. This is like crazy. So like, if I don't, if I can't think of any more questions, it's not your fault. And I was like, oh, okay. I was like, well, I was like, I'll have plenty to talk about. So you don't have to worry about <laughs> oh my gosh. I forgot until just now about your year and all the accents and things that I would do. <laughs> I don't think I did that the past couple of years for my nationals clients. I think I just did care like characters, but not like actually full on like intensities. Well, and that's no matter what the mock interview is for you to really take a risk and like, don't worry about blanking out, just say whatever comes to mind because that'll, it really is good practice. And if you start going down a road of like, I don't even know what I'm talking about. Like, I like, I don't like doing this. I don't know why I'm saying this. And it's a good way to practice. Like, okay, I'm rambling. I'm going to wrap this up. Yes. It's such a good way of practicing wrapping it up when you realize you've gone away from your trajectory and you need to pull it back. And then you can watch back that video and say, okay, that probably was a really, I could have taken it 20 seconds earlier and wrapped it up sooner. Or mm -hmm. that I really liked how I handled that. And I'm going to remember that for the future. 
Well, and I forgot to even say this too. So I know you video and mm-hmm. send that to your clients, which is awesome. And so if you do have an opportunity of mocking with somebody, please ask them if you can video, because yeah. that really is helpful to be able to go back and watch yourself. And you're going to cringe because nobody likes watching themselves like that, but it's so good for you to see yourself live. And if you're in a in-person setting, just set your camera up on a tripod or on a desk and have it only facing where it's recording you. It doesn't matter what the judges are doing. Have the camera set to record you. That's what you want your, to be watching. You're, you want to watch your body language. You want to watch your hands, your facial expressions. This interview is to watch yourself. So when you're recording, don't be like, oh, I don't have a camera big enough to record the room or whatever. This is just set up for you and turn it on and just record it. It will pay off. Just like recording yourself, walking, all the things. The more you can watch, the better it will be. Because oftentimes we don't get to watch ourselves interview. Most of the time you there's a live stream or there's a video of the pageant, but most of the time there's not a video of your interview. So you don't get to see that a lot of time. Really mocking is the only way you get to really see that for most people. Yeah. And you might do something weird that you don't even realize. Like you might like raise your eyebrows yeah. <laughs> like, or you might lick your lips. Or have, yeah. I was going to say a lot of people have a weird thing with their mouth that they do when they get nervous. And that's something that's very distracting as a judge. When you do like a weird, like, or a, like a, like, I don't know, like, um, it's just very distracting. I don't want to like call out weird specific things, but you will start to notice very, very quickly when you watch yourself. Yeah. And just becoming aware of it, then it's going to, you might catch yourself doing it, but at least you catch yourself and you can stop it before you go on too far. Yes. And then you can easily listen for um, filler words that you use really often. Everybody has them. Everybody has phrases and words that they use as their filler words and their catchphrases, quote unquote. I use so a lot. So I have to be very careful to not start every sentence with so. And then blah, blah, blah. Instead, just take a pause and start it. It sounds so much more confident. People will have like or whatever, or, you know, people have all kinds of different things. So just very, be very aware when you're watching. Yeah. And you know what? At Mrs. Ohio, both years I did it, we had to stand up on stage and look down at the judges. So when I practiced my mocks, I literally was wearing the shoes I was going to wear at interview and then standing and I hated it. I did not like doing it. I don't think they're going to do it like this year, but that was only because of COVID um, restrictions with the six feet. Yeah. I did not like that. I hated it. Actually, it was so uncomfortable and you're just like, you're looking down and you're trying to like keep your posture and you're looking down and it was so weird. It was, I mean, last year they did not do it like that. They did this, they did a panel style, but it was, um, standing. And so if you're just standing with them here, that's much different, much different. And as a judge that I judged that year that you had to do it like that. I did not like it either. It felt very weird. It felt like you were presenting versus just interviewing. And that's kind of how it felt. Well, they did it the next year too. We did it like that. And yeah, it felt more like presenting, but we knew that we pretty much knew, like they let us know, like, Hey, listen, Cause I think trying to think, I think at that point in my year, yeah, because in Vegas we wore masks 
they still were like, just trying to do their best to keep everybody from getting sick. And so they're like, we're just going to keep the same way. That's the best way so that you're not super close to the judges. And so they, they gave us that heads up. We knew it was going to be like that. And so I practiced best I could. Yeah. In that setting. (laughs) So strange. I've done both kinds of interviews, round Robin, um, and panel sitting, standing all the kinds there. I don't think there's one like better than the other. I think everybody has their personal preference. It's just kind of your personality type. I think more than anything that enjoys a certain type, whether you like feeding off of the energy of several people in a panel, or you really like that comfortable personal connection of sitting down one-on-one and round Robin. I don't think there's a, a really a benefit to either one. I think just people thrive under different types, but if you know how to interview, you can really be successful at either type. Yeah, I think so too. And like you said, there's kind of pluses and minuses to both. I do like being able to sit one-on-one with somebody. Um, that's probably my personal preference, but I, but I don't know. I've, I mean, I've done both too. I think I like sitting with somebody though. You feel like you get to know them a little better, or -hmm. at least they're getting to know you a little better. The only negative to me about that type of interview is the other judges don't get to hear the conversations that you had versus a panel where they, maybe that other judge would have never asked you that question and they didn't get to hear your response to that question that that judge may have never gotten to ask you. So you didn't get to hear all of the things and all the different parts of your interview, Mm -hmm. but that's just sort of like now again, where you have to drive the interview and you have to make sure you get in what you want to talk about. So there's pros and cons. Do you prefer to give feedback to people after a single round or do you go a couple rounds and then give overall feedback? What do you typically like to do? Um, It depends how long I've been working with the client, quite honestly. Um, when I like to do the feedback, if they are a long-term client of mine and I've worked with them a lot, I'd rather wait until the end of a couple rounds. I'd rather go through several rounds of mocks with all the different judges in the room before we get the feedback and then do it because then, then everyone has heard all the interviews. They can kind of give that feedback based on not just their experience, but also what they've heard from the other judges. If it's a like, especially how we do them on zoom, they can kind of Mm -hmm. hear the other conversations. That's my preference just because then I can take tons of notes through it and watch. And normally that first round for everyone is your warm up round. That's your worst round for everyone. It's just your practice round. It's you're getting started. You're getting all the nerves out. So everyone's first round is sort of their weakest typically, and they get better as they keep going. So giving feedback after the first round is hard because it's not typically your best. Normally, Mm -hmm. that's why, like for my clients, I like to have a phone call or whatever, right before you go into interview, let's get those practice questions out of the way, get that first round out of the way. So when you go in, you're like ready to nail it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is nice because sometimes, man, I would have some doozies on my first round. (laughs) I would have. And sometimes that's hard with your Chris's question too, by the way, because I know we sit here and we talk, but I'm not in interview mode. And then you ask me a question and you're like, why would you say? Well, I've been slacking on my Chris's questions. I feel like I, because we've been doing so many mocks, I'm like out of questions right now. I feel like, because I've been 
I don't remember now what I've asked in mock interviews and what I've asked on the podcast. So I need to like oh. somehow sort out what I've asked where, because I think I may have asked the same Christmas question several times. I'm not sure, but I can't keep in my mind, like out of all my clients, what I'm asking who from between the podcast and the clients. Gosh, I because I just had like this past weekend, I had four clients compete. And then the weekend or two weeks before that, I had like six clients compete or something. It's just been nutso. And then I have more clients competing in a couple of weeks. I have like nine clients competing in June. It's crazy. And I've just been like asking questions like it's my job, which I guess it is. But I keep forgetting <laughs> that what would have asked where. So I need to get like a list of just exclusive pageant buzz questions. Yeah, that would probably be smart. I don't think you've asked the same one before. I feel like I would have, okay. it would have triggered my memory um, okay. because I'm only in, I mean, I, you're in way more mock interviews. I just come on typically if you're like, Hey, like I need somebody to come in and help interview. Like you kind of have your short list of people who you'll pull in to help. Okay. So then they don't just interview with you. Are will you accept if somebody's not already a client, will you accept somebody to do mocks? Yes. Okay. Yes. So how frequently bring in, I'll frequently have a a not current client just reach out and ask just to do a mock session with me. And I'm so happy to do that. Okay. So if, um, if some, if like one of our listeners wants to, they have a pageant coming up and they're like, you know what, like I already have a coach or like, I only have so much of my budget, but I'd like to at least book something for a mock interview. What's the best way to get a hold of you? Yeah, you can just reach out to me on Instagram. You can either do it through our Instagram for the pageant buzz or through my Rebecca underscore pageant coach Instagram, and I'll give you all the information. Okay, perfect. Yes. And you mock with me every week. That's right. <laughs> we, practice, we practice quite often, don't we? Yes, totally. Well, um, before we go into Chris's question, I have to give an update on that. I don't even know if anybody will remember. Remember the gala I went to? Yes. Okay. And it was the green dress. I really liked it, by the way. It ended up, the so the gal I ended up going to, it ended up being some sort of um, like springtime, midsummers. I don't even know what, it, yeah, it was, yes, it was like your Stanley Cup color. This is the cup color of your dress. I just realized. I did too, actually. That's interesting. Well, so I ended up matching really well. I was very on theme. I was very proud of myself, but I did not plan it whatsoever. I did not realize there was even a theme. But do you remember when I said I had to go get a button for Matt's Tux? So I went and get the button for Matt's Tux. I got two actually. And they come on those little cards. Please, yes. Did I tell you this already? No. Okay. I've told people because it's funny and he's not happy about it. But anyways, so I get these buttons and we get home and he can't find the buttons for me to sew on. I'm like, Matt, they were just in the shopping bag. I found the shopping bag, but there were no buttons in the shopping bag. We have no idea where these went. They were there when I got home because I checked. I set it on the table. Someone took these Dagon buttons. And so we scoured the entire house for them. And this was right after our Danny Walker interview. So I basically like was changing. We were leaving. And so he ends up, we leave without a button on his tux. He's not happy. He's very grumpy about it. And I was like, Matt, literally no one will notice. No one will notice. And he's like, everyone's right. going to know. Well, guess what happened? Where were the buttons? 
Oh, I don't know. We still don't know. Oh, but no. I thought you were going to say I opened my purse or my clutch or something and here we're back. No, we um, got to, so we went a little early with some friends and we went to just a bar ahead of time and a man came up to Matt and he was like, Hey man, like I'm, a, I make suits in the area. I do custom suits and tuxes. I noticed your tux doesn't have a button. Here's my card. I'd love to make a suit for you. Or I could get a button on that tux. Oh my gosh. How mortifying. He was like Kristen, Kristen. <laughs> well, you see, this is why you should have reached out ahead of time. And well, actually, this is why he should have tried on the tux ahead of time. So you would have realized there was missing the button ahead of time. Yeah. And I'm sorry, but that is just really terrible luck that he just happened to run into somebody that makes custom suits that would notice that I was like, no one else will notice. It didn't matter. It was too late. I wanted to die. That's so funny. Oh, he still has the card. Well, I, maybe for father's day, you should go ahead and book him an appointment. I asked him about that and I want to do that. He was like, oh, I'm good. I was like, you're good. I was like, don't you want like some custom golf pants? Cause I got online. What is the company called again? Jay Hilburn. Okay. Jay Hilburn. I got online. They do custom polos, golf pants, like literally anything. Yes. I told you. I was really excited about it. And I was like, Matt, you could get like a fancy jacket that you've always wanted. He'll do it eventually. I know he will, but he was just like, you can't ask. That's not a thing that you ask. You just gift. You just do it. Yeah. You just gift it to him and then you set it all up. And after he has one, he'll never go back. That's kind of what I was thinking too. I'm like, I really feel like you'll love this, but we'll see. Well, it was my birthday this weekend. Yeah. And I was super sick. I have been very sick for a whole week, but I have to tell you that I am officially a pickleball princess. I got a pickleball set. Okay. Wait, I saw that on your Instagram. I was like, wait a minute. Pickleball? Now you're going to do pickleball? Yes. You're a golfer. I needed a sport. I don't know how to play any sports. So I'm going to become a pickleball person. And I got myself a pickleball set that I can have in my garage. And I'm going to learn how to play. And I'm going to join like a women's league. And I'm going to play pickleball. Um, I think you would fit in really well. Like just because like they, they are very like girls, girls. They love to like, not just like these leagues, they don't just play pickleball. Like they, it's no, like social they, like, also. Yeah. Like you just play for a little while, but then you would, like go to lunch or whatever. And yeah. I like it because you wear skirts because I really like tennis dresses and tennis skirts, but I don't want to play tennis. I don't know how to play tennis. That feels really hard. I feel like you need to take lessons. That just feels like a lot. I think I can handle this pickleball. I'm excited. I'm very excited. It's like one of the fastest growing sports right now. Literally what my set says. My set yeah. says on the box, the number one fastest growing sport in America. Yeah. My boss hates pickleball because he's a tennis player and he's just like, the pickleballers are taking over my tennis courts. Cause they're turning a lot of tennis courts into pickleball courts and it's becoming a thing. Also, I just want to say about the pickleball league in my area. This is just a side note. I know you would never do this to somebody, but so I have a friend that's friends with like a bunch of women that play pickleball and that are in this league, um, not at our club and it's the club across the street. And they were all going to get together for somebody's birthday. 
And she was invited by the person to go out. And so she had mentioned it to somebody like, Hey, like, I'll see you guys out tonight. And the woman was like, um, this is kind of a pickleball thing. Like it's kind of for a pickleball group. I don't really know. And she's like, I was invited by the person whose birthday it is and made her feel all weird about it. So she didn't end up going. And you know me, like that stuff really ticks me. Like I get ticked about that kind of stuff, but I would never say anything because she had told me this in confidence. And so what I did was I made with my cricket a Vuv tennis club. You've probably seen them on Etsy. I got the I've thing on them. Etsy and it's the Vuv tennis club. And so I made her and I, these matching sweatshirts and I went and got us, um, Vuv champagne and I went over and I wrote out this whole like letter of like, you have been selected to be a member of the Vuv tennis club. It's like, and I talked about like the meeting schedule and basically members have to be voted in by current members of the club. And I made it this like whole thing and I took it over and gave it to her and it was the best thing ever. We laughed about it. She felt better about it. I felt better about it because I'm like, how dare you do this to my friend? Cause that's just so rude. Well, I'm not in a pickleball league yet, but my pickleball league won't be like that. It'll be nice. No, you would never, ever do that. And mm -hmm. I don't even know if the person really even meant anything by it, but it hurt my friend's feelings. And I get very upset when people hurt my friend's feelings. I don't like that. Right now, my pickleball league is made of my two sons and Dustin. It's the four of us. How That's many people my play pickleball at a time? Two to four. So you can play one-on-one okay. -on -one or two-on-two. -two. You can do like doubles or singles. Okay. And you guys set up your, is it, was it in your garage for your pickleball court? Yeah. We just put in the garage to practice. Oh my you gosh, can do it right that. in your garage. You can just put practice right at home. And it's basically kind of a hybrid of like ping pong and four square and tennis. It's so weird. I need to figure out how to play. I don't even know how to play pickleball. I didn't either, but it came with some rules. Well, my only experience is the mean girls and I, don't stand for that kind of behavior. Well, I'm in because I really wanted to wear the outfits and I like it because it's active. You can play indoor and outdoor. And I feel like this is a sport I can play well into my old age. And now that I am 39, I need to have an old lady sport. That's what golf's for. I don't have time for golf. Golf takes way too long. It really does. Sometimes I get tired. I want to quit halfway through. I'm kind of like, eh, this feels like, like a I just, hole. You, you know me, you know me. I don't have the amount of hours in my day it takes to play. I barely can have the one hour a week to record this podcast. Well, pickleball doesn't take too long, like you said, and then you get to go to lunch. Yeah. yeah. I'm so excited. Okay. Do you have a Chris's question for me now that we're done with yes. pickleball? Yes. Are you ready? Okay. If you published a self or an autobiography, what library would you want it to be in with autograph copies? Um, I would want it to be in my hometown library because I feel like that's always a good place to start when, you know, you've, you've come out with something new because it's kind of where your roots are. That's the place that you grew up to be who you are good, bad, indifferent, whatever. I just feel like it's a great place to start. And so I think that would be my first place that I would put myself published 
or no, um, what did you say? Autographed copies? Auto, auto yeah, copies. your autographed copies. My autographed copies would be in my hometown. And you can find us at Pageant Buzz Pod on Instagram. And as Rebecca always says, don't forget to sparkle. Follow us on Instagram at Pageant Buzz Pod for all things Pageant Buzz.